With authority! Aloha! Welcome to the most must in podcast in Bay Area Sports. Welcome to ABC7 Sports. With authority! You are inside the ABC7 Sports Department. I'm Casey Pratt. That's Larry Beal. And we have devastating injury news. Well, this would be the emergency podcast following the injury to Kevin Durant that has not only rocked the Warriors, but has ripple effects throughout the entire NBA. I mean, there are teams all over the league that saw that and went, oh no, our plans, our devious plans are ruined now, at least temporarily because of what appears to be a torn Achilles tendon. And as we tape, we don't have confirmation, but there's enough information out there leading us to believe that this will require surgery and a lengthy rehab for Kevin Durant, probably in the neighborhood of 9 to 12 months. And the ranges of emotion from this injury ranged from downright despicable, disrespectful, and crazy to just wild, rampant speculation. And that is why, despite the NBA Finals in full swing, we were going to take a little pause on the podcast. But we felt we needed to do an emergency pod and address all this because there's so much going on. It, it's simply madness. I mean, you have some fans in Toronto. Some of them have just gone completely berserk. I mean, when you're cursing out Dell and Sonia Curry as they exit their vehicle, I mean, come on, please. That's just absurd given that Dell played for the Raptors and was a beloved figure for the franchise. Even worse is cheering an athlete who has just gotten hurt. Now, the only thing I could say for those fans who did that is perhaps at the time they did not realize the significance of the injury. Like, even even now, is we're not sure. I mean, if you were of the mindset that maybe he just tweaked his calf again and, okay, that's going to eliminate him from a game, then you, I mean, even then you shouldn't be cheering, but... It's not with the knowledge that there's this devastation of an injury that's just occurred. Yeah, they were caught up in the moment, but I don't think I've ever seen a fan base go from more beloved and cherished the way this whole NBA Finals lead-up has been with everybody just raving about how nice everybody's been in Toronto and how everybody's been so respectful and just fun to be around and just so excited and lining up at Jurassic Park. I mean, they went from beloved to reviled in a blink of an eye. Well, that's how quickly a reputation can turn. There's no question about that. And, you know, we've all seen the clips, I think, uh, in Jurassic Park. And I thought, you know, I was trying to give people the benefit of the doubt, having spent some time in Canada and meeting some wonderful people. And everybody, I mean, it's just the same story on and on. You, Everybody's so nice, welcoming, all this and that. And then to watch the video when it becomes apparent to people that, that Durant is down and he's going to stay down and this is probably somewhat serious to see people waving goodbye because they're happy that now they have a chance to win a championship. There's there's no excuse for that. Sometimes mob mentality takes over with people, but that that's a bad look. Yeah, and you know, a few knuckleheads doesn't mean a whole fan base is bad, but you know, when I posted the pictures and commented on it online, I was expecting a lot of blowback from Raptors fans. Not only did I get none, I saw a lot of people saying, I am now rooting for the Warriors. And not a lot of people were. And so when you have your own team, the Toronto Raptors players, 
having to correct the actions of the fans before they finally got it together and did a respectful KD chant on the way out. Um, that's a bad look. And so that isn't exactly where I thought we would be starting this, but it just came off poorly. And I think there's no doubt it fired up the Warriors, despite Mark Jackson tried to downplay that notion when Breen brought it up. But you could absolutely see there was major frustration. Andre Godala looked very mad. Clay Thompson looked furious. And whether it sparked the Warriors or not, they came back and won that game. And I don't think there's a lot of teams that are going to see a player of the caliber of Kevin Durant go down and be as emotional as it was and then have them come back and win in the fashion they did. I mean, that game right there could be one of the more legendary games in NBA Finals history. No question. But I don't want to spend too much time on idiot fans because there's idiots everywhere. They're on Twitter. Uh, they're on every social media platform you want to go to. So it's just, look, there's dumbness. We, we don't need to highlight more dumbness. I think the more interesting thing with Durant is we, we thought we had an idea of where all this was going, but now you really don't know. If you're the Warriors, who may have an enhanced chance of keeping him as a result of this injury, Knicks, Clippers... I mean, the domino effect here is dramatic all throughout the league, and obviously it's the most dramatic for Kevin Durant because he's looking at a year without basketball. I mean, one scenario that's pretty interesting, and and there's a bunch of them we're going to go down here, because there's been confusion about Durant's contract situation from the start because you're hearing so much about free agency all season long. Well, he can be a free agent he doesn't have to be he can just opt into the final year of his contract it was a one and one and so he has the option and he can take the 31 and a half million dollars that's already been agreed to with the Warriors rehab with the Warriors and think about this if his rehab were to go well and let's say it's on the nine month side as opposed to a full year which would mean he'd be back next June, let's say it's nine months, just or 10 months for argument's sake, that would put Durant and the Warriors right back into next year's playoff chase, and suddenly <laughs> you get the best player, arguably, in basketball back as you're about to make another championship run. Now, we don't know what the team is going to look like next season, but you got to figure they'll make the playoffs some way, somehow. Then once you get in, it's a roll. They could be the eighth seed and get Durant back and run through the entire league. Yeah, they'd be extremely dangerous. But that situation is very reminiscent of what DeMarcus Cousins went through, too. And they were patient with him. He came in. It did take him time to get back. Obviously, he ended up tearing his quad, too. But when he was recovering from the Achilles, I mean, that's not something easy to come back from. Sure, that'd be an amazing weapon in the back of their pocket. Now, we can talk about idiot hot takes from the media as well oh, as the fans i we? mean if we're talking about the ramifications from around the league the new york post the headline on their paper was nicks lose game five <laughs> with a picture of kevin durant grabbing his achilles come on come on it's actually pretty funny that's to ridiculous it's, though it's, it's dumb but it's that's the way the, the nicks had yeah well it's the new york post so, that is what they're known for. Yeah, yeah but, but you think he's going to go to New York when that kind of crap's going on? Well, that's been the rumor out there. The other rumor was the Nets with Kyrie. I don't know if he had any interest in the Nets at all. But it, it does change everything for all of these teams because if you're the Knicks, I think, I mean, 
unfortunately for KD and whatever his plans may have been, the second that this injury is confirmed and the rehab and the time and all that is confirmed, I am all in with all of my chips on Anthony Davis from the Pelicans. You got to get somebody for next season. After you clear out, you trade Porzingis, you clear out all this cap space, you have to get a bona fide star. And at that point, I'm all in on AD, especially if it looks like Kyrie wants the Nets over the Knicks. At least these are the the endless rumors that we have out there. So do you, do you agree or disagree? I mean, I agree. Um, but I also think, and I've said this all along, I think KD was going to come back to the Warriors anyways. That's right, been my take. Right. And I looked at the numbers. Obviously, the Warriors can offer him the Supermax. They should immediately. I don't care if he's going to miss all of next year. They can offer him five years, $221 million and some change. Any other team could offer him four years, $164 million. I mean, the years are different. So it, it averages out to probably about $44 million versus 43 on average value for him um, with one of the deals being shorter. But... If I'm the Warriors right now, I'm not only offering him the Supermax, I'm offering him a statue outside of Chase Center because he knew there was inherent risk in going out there for Game 5. And he chose to go out there anyways, obviously working with the medical staff. And I think that KD, in doing so, absolutely cemented legend status. Not that he hadn't already with the two finals MVPs, but... This dude put it all out there for his teammates. No matter what he does going forward, I think Warriors fans should be eternally grateful for his time here, and hopefully that time continues on for another five years at least. Well, the question is, are there any other teams out there that are willing to make the same bold offer and say, we will let you rehab? Let's say he he decides to to pass on the guaranteed $31.5 million. He becomes a free agent, and then... Do the Knicks say it's fine? We'll give you a year to re. We're just going. We're going to sign you in good faith and hope that you come back and you're the player that you have always been as uh, the Kevin Durant. You know who I am. I'm, <laughs> yeah, Kevin, I'm Durant, Kevin Durant. And just write off one year and whatever forty million dollars. I mean, it would be such a Knicks thing to do to to give him the hundred and sixty million and then have some other setback that occurs and then he never really plays for them or is able to take them to a championship level but it's a huge risk for any team and I know Brian Windhorst from ESPN said there will be other teams to me the more intriguing team if we're we're talking about non-warriors options is the Clippers because first of all Steve Ballmer's got nothing but money billions and billions and billions he could spend whatever he wants he'll pay the luxury tax if he knows that they are going to get Kawhi Leonard next season and say okay Kawhi, we're bringing you in. We're bringing KD in. KD is going to just rehab for a year. Next year, you guys are the dynamic duo in Los Angeles, and you guys are running this town together. Now, I don't know if they have any relationship, but that's the scary version, uh, scary scenario from the Warriors' perspective, an in-division team taking your top guy. Now, they're not going to have Kevin Durant next year for the, you know, the bulk of the regular season anyway, maybe you know, maybe for the playoffs or somebody, but that would be an option that I think would be scary for the Warriors. That'd be very scary, and I think they could afford to not only weather waiting a year to get him back, uh, they could also afford it, as you said. But to me, I just think that if everything went according 
not according to plan, but you know, they collaborated. There isn't any hard feelings about this injury and how it happened. If indeed they worked together, the coaches, the training staff, Kevin Durant and his camp, and everybody was in agreement that risking it and playing in that game five was worth doing and there's no hard feelings, I don't see any reason why he would leave this team. I mean, you saw it when he got hurt. You had Andre Iguodala and Stephen Curry walking off the court, walking with him down the tunnel. You saw Bob Myers crying in a press conference on live television in front of two nations. I just think that there's something here. There's a reason he was willing to push it and give it his all and lay it all out there for this franchise in game five of the NBA finals. And I think he has something here that's irreplaceable anywhere else, which is why I think he's going to stay here. But I don't know if we can get to (laughs) just the pure frustrations of the aftermath of this injury in the way that everybody is talking about it. Everybody's casting all this blame, casting all these narratives, trying to put thoughts like on KD, like he was pushed or he, he shouldn't have been out there or that it's Bob Myers fault or it's the Warriors fault or it's the coaches and the, the doctors faults and that he shouldn't have been playing. I think that's all ridiculous. And I think it's ridiculous because it's the NBA finals right now. The golden state warriors have Stephen Curry playing with a busted hand. They have Clay Thompson playing with a busted hamstring. They have DeMarcus Cousins playing with a busted quad. They have Kevon Looney playing with a busted chest. Yeah, Kevon Looney is an Iron Man. It's not because of the narrative. It's not because of the perception that you may or may not be soft or you may or may not be down with your teammates. It's because you work your entire life to play in these games. And if you're an NBA player, this is your everything. This is an opportunity that is few and far between. And there's a lot of people that never even get to sniff the finals. I mean, you look at Cousins, he hadn't even played in a playoff game in his career. This is a guy that's a four-time All-Star, a two-time gold medalist. Never even sniffed the playoffs. Well, nothing is guaranteed in sports. And Durant knows this very well because he was with OKC early in his career when they went to the finals. And then a lot of years of success but nothing close to a championship, and, and that didn't happen until he came to the Warriors. What's, if you want to call it interesting or whatever, there were a zillion hot takes before this happened. Yeah. And most of them centered around, how could you be out for a month with a strained calf? It's a calf injury. Get back out there. Come on. I don't recall seeing or hearing anybody say, there's inherent risk going out there. You could blow out your calf. You could blow out your Achilles. I don't, I don't, did you hear anybody say, don't go, this could be danger, danger, danger. It was all about, you're too soft, uh, you, you don't love the game enough, uh, you're trying to position yourself you're for free for agency, yourself, you're yeah. just like, which was, all of it is so stupid. It's just people who have never met Kevin Durant, have no idea what he's about. The guy loves the sport he lives the game it is life to him so the notion that he wouldn't go out there to save himself for that Knicks contract is just asinine and so now the pendulum has swung the other way and you've got all the armchair doctors saying you see he he never they should have kept him out they never should have let him out there they should have prevented him from taking the court the risk was too high who do we point the accusing finger of blame at because they forced him out there look nobody is going to force Kevin Durant to do much of anything and if he did not want to play he would not have gone out to play. 
he had to know the risks involved. Now, we don't know behind the scenes what the discussions were like because from everything that I've heard that there were numerous doctors involved in clearing him. And so I cannot fathom a situation where where KD says, nah, I, I, you know, I, I don't think I can go. And then who? Ownership or Bob Myers or Steve Kerr says, no, you got, you have to get out. We're telling you. you have, I mean, <laughs> We're facing elimination. Yeah, get out I mean, there. I, no. I just think he, he loves the game. He wanted to be out there. He was willing to take some risk. Did he know that this would be the result, a catastrophic result? Of course not. But I know as we were watching the game all together, Donald Foyle and I were up here kind of cringing at times because you're like, oh, you know, don't do anything too dramatic. Don't do anything that might cause another injury. And then out of the blue, it just happens. So, you know, as this unfolds, we may never know what the real story was behind the scenes, but the idea that that Twitter pressure yeah. forced him to take the court from, because he wanted to prove – his detractors wrong. I mean, come on, people. He didn't want to disappoint Stephen A. He had to get out there. No, there's no chance. Now, the thing is, and we talked about it, there was nobody out there in the media or on Twitter or social media saying maybe he shouldn't go out there. Maybe it's dangerous for him. But his doctors had to have been telling him that. Of course. And that's why they waited as long as they did. And they had to weigh the risks. Now, I thought it was really interesting in an article by pro football doc, David Chow. He was the former team doctor for the Chargers. He really kind of lays out how all these decisions are made, and he makes it really clear. The medical staff decision is made jointly by the doctor, surgeons, consultants, athletic trainers, physical therapists, the players, agents, advisors, personal doctors, and family. Then it goes to the coaches, general managers, etc. This isn't a one person like Joe Lacob saying, just get out there. This is a fully informed group decision, and I think that's why you see Bob Myers I agree. looking as upset as he did on the podium because they spent a lot of time discussing this. They spent a lot of time thinking about this. They spent a lot of time weighing the pros and cons and they put a lot of energy and effort into that. And it, it backfired. It absolutely backfired horribly. And the person that pays the greatest cost is completely Kevin Durant here. And I think that's why they felt so bad because it was a group decision. It wasn't one person forcing something. And the other question that came up a lot was, was it always an Achilles? Was it was it something where we were being misled? It wasn't really a calf? And I don't think that's really true either. I think a calf strain, especially a lower calf strain, can have to do with the Achilles. But the one way that the pro football doc described it is that the calf diagnosis is not technically wrong, as they did not say calf muscle and the Achilles can be considered part of the calf or lower leg area. But professional athletes, when they tear their Achilles, it's because the calf muscle will sometimes expand and contract too quickly, thus snapping the Achilles like a rubber band. The Achilles isn't ready for the pressure. And if his calf was already tight or was undergoing extensive work, that's quite possibly what did the Achilles. So, you know, he probably didn't already have an Achilles injury. I don't think they were completely lying to us, but... They are right next to each other, and they do work together. You're, you're talking about the calf and the Achilles. The calf and the Achilles. Yeah, I mean, from a medical standpoint, you know, obviously there's a connection there. Whether, I mean, every time we saw any video of him, and, and there wasn't a lot, to be quite honest, 
uh, there was, was always like the Zapruder film yeah, analyzing yeah, every walk he well, made. Well, and you know, <laughs> let's look at his gait. Let's look at his facial expression. Uh, there was always ice. But it Where's seemed the ice to be bag? the ice was always lower was on low. his foot. It was always yes. in the ankle Achilles area and less up the calf. And I think because the initial announcement from the Warriors was that it was a mild calf strain, it gave everybody the impression, perhaps falsely, that this was going to be a one to two week injury mm-hmm. or a one to three week injury. If it was a more severe calf strain, then you get into the four to six, which is really where the whole thing ended up. And if it was a more severe calf strain, four to six is exactly he came back on the on the low side because mm-hmm. it was just over a month. It was 32 days since he suffered uh, the prior injury. But again, you know, not being doctors, we're not going to be able to know whether was it really the calf? Was it a little bit of both? Were both? Str- I mean, who, who knows at this point? But the the question is, um, you know, really, is somebody going to be blamed? Is there going to be a fall guy? Does Kevin Durant feel like I was pushed into this decision against my will? I tend to doubt it. I think there's a lot of other noise going on with the Warriors, and I don't know what his relationships are like with – I mean, there's obviously been some friction with Steve Kerr because we saw for – kind of a a window in time I think it was a couple weeks something like that where Kerr would say one thing and then Durant (laughs) would come out and dueling press conferences the the, the thing that that was most vivid in my mind where uh, Kerr was talking about playing with joy and then he had one statement where he said we need to come out with a little bit more anger and then Durant followed him a few minutes later in news conferences wait a anger I thought aren't we the team known for joy (laughs) so you could see that there was something going on there and I don't know whether it was more of a personal thing or it was a basketball stylistic thing about more ISO or more this or, you know, motion. We don't know. Um, I've also read some reports that there was some some friction with ownership. Um, so maybe some of those things play into what his long-term mindset was. It seems like, I mean, apparently Draymond FaceTimed him right after the game. And so whatever their dust-up was, uh, you know, maybe that's been resolved to a certain extent. Obviously, when you see Steph... Steph was in the. They were in the game. Yeah, no, they, they left the they court. They left the game. They were in. That's going, not a common. Thing. That is extremely unusual for uh, you know Andre Iguodala was with him and they were helping him along with the, the doctor uh, Celebrini to the locker room. You just don't see that in the middle of a game where where players are assisting the medical staff to get because they cared so much about him and you could see the reaction. So I, I think the reactions were legitimate. But I mean, the blame game is something that. The media is going to play and people on Twitter will play and, and all of the uninformed will play. I'm not sure there's anybody to blame. It's just, there's a there's an inherent risk every time you go out on the field in whatever sport you're playing. Absolutely. You could get hurt Absolutely. anywhere, anyway, anyhow. I mean, how many times – look at the 49ers with, with Jarek McKinnon when they sign him to this big contract and he gets hurt in his first camp, a non-contact injury. And it happens all the yeah. time. So, I mean, we can go down that rabbit hole, you know, as long as people want to go. But, but then we'd be no better than the rest. Well, yeah, And that's I, all that we're hearing. Just I, a lot of ridiculous outside noise and hot takes. And I think you just have to look at the simple facts that when the injury occurred, Curry and Iguodala walked out with them. The Warriors rallied. They came back. Kevin Durant posted on Instagram immediately after the game, right. elated with the Warriors' victory despite the devastation. 
I just don't think that if he was pressured or pushed into playing and it catastrophically backfired the way that it did, that he's posting a hurrah way to win the exactly. game message immediately after because he had to have known the severity of the situation and he had to have been devastated. And if he had felt wronged in any way, I I would stay either radio silent or I'd be putting people on blast. He did not do that. Yeah, I mean, if the question was put to him now, would you go out there knowing there was a strong likelihood of you tearing your Achilles tendon? Would you still go out if, if you guys were going to win the game and maybe go on to a championship? That's a tough one. I, I don't know that. In hindsight, it's got to be a hard no. It, well, it would have to be now, <laughs> you, you would say. But I don't know that nobody could have predicted that this was going to be the, the outcome. And likewise, we can't predict what the outcome is going to be over the next few months or a year because this changes, as we mentioned at the top, this changes everything for all these teams that mm-hmm. are free agent hunting, like the Knicks, the Nets, the Clippers, the Lakers, all these teams that have cleared out vast amounts of cap space to try to land the biggest fish in the market. And KD and AD and Kawhi Leonard are those three players. Now, there's other guys that they may end up uh, offering fairly sizable deals to maybe that don't deserve that because they can't get the guys they want. But it's interesting that the odds are out and how things have changed, how this injury has changed. Yes. There's a, there's an odds online of- <laughs> odds maker bet online that had the free agent odds before the KD injury. Yeah. And now, and it's actually flipped in the warriors favor. Okay. Because before that makes sense to me. The Knicks were six to five favorites to get him, and their odds are worsening. They're now still pretty strong, but three to two. The Warriors were two to one to keep him, and they're now tied with the Knicks at three to two. So it really will come down to what Durant wants to do. Here's another option that he could explore. He could just tell the Warriors, look, I'm on the books for thirty one point five. I want you to max me out, and I will stay. But I want my forty million. I've, I've given, I've given my body. He's given to a you. year given, of his career I've in the prime, you essentially. My, my Achilles tendon. He deserves it. You, you, right? Hundred percent. You got to take care of. You me. give it to him, and not just on a one. See, this is the risk, and I think a lot of players around the league have looked at LeBron because LeBron has played it perfectly with all these one and one deals, year in and year out, but. Up until this past season, he's been an Iron Man. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that groin injury that cost him like 18 games was the most serious injury that he experienced. But this is why athletes want to get the four-year deal or the five-year deal with all the guaranteed money because you are one sprain, strain, pop, whatever, away from losing it all. And if you just go in on a one-year deal, well, unless you're a superstar talent – there isn't anybody that's going to line up to throw gobs of money at you while you rehab and are unavailable to play. Yeah, and I think Durant, the way he plays, will be the exception to the rule with this injury. Obviously, it's very tough to come back from, but I think he risked it all, and I think he's still going to get a Supermax. I don't think anyone's going to hesitate to give it to him, whether he's going to miss a year or not, and I hope that team is the Warriors because he absolutely deserves it. The way he went out there and laid it all on the line. I mean, he had three huge threes for them. No, he I don't know great. that they win without him playing well, he that game. he scored 11 points. They won by one. I mean, Who the else only, was going to give him the 11? The yeah, only Jarenko? question on that night is, 
did they maybe play him too much, too fast? I mean, he played 12 out of 14 minutes. Right. Which may have been a little bit little bit much, but they said he was full go. And they're going off what their doctors are telling them. They're going off informed opinions. They're not just doing this ad hoc. They, well, there's a plan here. We happened to be fortunate enough, we were doing our pregame show on ABC7 just as Durant was doing his pregame workout routine. And his routine was exactly the one that he always goes through, working with Bruce Frazier, the assistant coach known as Q, where he, he's at the foul line and he does these pirouettes and these jumping drills. And then at the end of the workout, in fact, it was just as we were going to commercial, they throw up a lob and he just Thunderous slams dunk. it down. Now, I did notice later when I looked at another angle, he kind of swung on the rim a little bit. Like and, he didn't want to come and, down and so quick. gingerly yeah. landed. Smart just move, to be Obviously smart. But when I saw him go up and throw the dunk down, I thought, oh, this dude is back, and he's fine, and we're good to go. And then once the game started, you know, you can't simulate game speed or game yeah. conditions in a practice or a workout or anything But like they were that. bumping him. They were trying well, to yeah, knock no, him all yeah, over yeah, the yeah, place, well, and he was, he was fine. He seemed to be fine until he wasn't fine, and now it's a devastating a piece of news for him and the Warriors. And as we mentioned, there's a lot of dominoes connected to this that will fall as a result. Now, we'll know more on July the 1st as to oh boy, will we ever. what he actually decides to do. And it'll be fascinating. It'll be a look into really what's going on in his head. And you know, does he stay and just... And another option is he could take the $31.5 million rehab on the Warriors' dime and not ever play for the Warriors again. That's true. And the the bad part for Golden State would be... Now, that they could put him on the injured list, and but you can't replace the $31 million. No, you can't just you're going to throw playing. that money at another superstar. Yeah. They're well over the cap, and they're into the luxury tax. So the, the person that would harm the most would be Joe Lacob because you'd have to pay all this money and you're, you're into the tax for a player that is not going to take the court. The question then becomes, okay, you know, do you work out a longer deal? If I'm Durant, whatever my next contract is, it's not going to be a one-on-one. It's, I'm going to get my money. No, I'm going to get paid now for sure because I'm not going to take the risk. And there's no team out there that can pay him more right. than the Warriors. So if I'm him, I'm taking that five-year deal. I'm taking the Are you sure the Warriors would offer it? Absolutely. You, you're, you're no certain. doubt in my mind. Okay, he's going to be no 31 at mind. the start of next season. They're going to give him the money. They okay, should. Okay, so he, if, assuming he misses the year, then he will come back at age 32. And so you're willing to yeah. bet on him at age 32 for four years at 40-plus million a year. Yeah. Okay. I think All he'll right. last. I mean, you look at other players that had the similar injury. Well, Boogie Cousins had the injury. They're not. But Boogie's a different terms. kind of I mean, player. He's, yeah, he's I mean, much so larger. Much he's plays a completely different. But he's kind not of game. even close to being the Boogie of old. And he's had. He's been out. He was out for a year. But keep in mind, he was starting to get it together. Then he tore his quad, well, that's and true. he's playing through a torn quad. That's I mean, true. If this isn't the NBA Finals, Boogie's not playing. Curry's not playing. Clay's not playing. Right. Looney's not playing. And damn sure Kevin Durant isn't <laughs> playing. So I mean, you have to keep it in perspective. So I think that KD comes back. I hope the Warriors offer him the Supermax. I think he opens the Chase Center as a Warrior, obviously not on the court, but maybe best-case scenario he makes it back in time for a postseason run. I mean, that would be the storybook. Well, storybook would be the emotion of the moment carried them to a certain extent to a Game 5 win. 
They win game six, go to Toronto, win game seven. Mm -hmm. He's at the parade. Everybody's thrilled and happy, and we're we're, we're rolling it forward, even if he can't play next year. I mean, that almost seems too much. That is way too much to wish for. That's... um, but I'm you have to look at the response. Crazy, I'm have, becoming crazy hot take it's, guy it's, right now. It's already, <laughs> but you, it's, you're, you're guided in the right direction at least. I mean, you have to look. Last time KD got hurt against the Rockets, they finished that game out strong one and then finished the Rockets off after. And I believe it was game five when he got hurt even. Yeah. Same exact scenario except they weren't trailing the series. 3-1 going in. So, ha, <sighs> man. There's too much, but the, the takes are ridiculous. The only thing that I think everyone needs to look out for is the anonymous sources that may be coming forward after this MRI result. Because if he in any way feels wronged, then this relationship is over. I don't see that that's the case, but that would be the end. Well, the fact that he went to New York to get the MRI... Where he picked up the New York Post and said, I'm never coming back here again. Well, it just is... Obviously, (laughs) at this point, he probably wants his own doctors and people to look at the situation... And it's nothing against the Warriors people, because I'm sure that this, as you mentioned, was a collaborative decision Mm -hmm. with doctors inside and outside the organization. You're not just going to go on one guy's word. No, you're going to want to get a lot of opinions and you're not in a rush at this point. You know, you're not racing to get back on the court tomorrow. You no, have but you time. do. You do want to get the definitive yeah. word on what the injury but is. But you want to get as informed opinions as you possibly can gather. Now, the one thing I don't want to open up a can of worms right before we get off, but it is interesting that he did go to New York when you saw when Kevon Looney got hurt and they ruled him out for the series, and then he got a second opinion and they said, "No, you can play." Well, that see, that's that's a little bit that's weird. That's troubling to me. because that's a little weird. That raises questions about what your medical staff is doing and and or what you're just putting out to the media because either you have a broken collarbone or you don't mm-hmm. um and I, I don't have the the costal cartilage non-displaced <laughs> whatever it was in front of me to read off but but there was an initial misdiagnosis and i think that is a little bit concerning well i don't know if it's a misdiagnosis or i mean they ruled them a, out and then they said the no, way, i know no you're fine you're fine <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but there's to, to something me, there. there's enough to, to there's enough gray area there that makes you wonder what is going on, and sometimes look the MRI, an X-ray, whatever you want, it, it, they're not always definitive. I mean, I don't know. If you, Great point. And and also when you're freshly injured, there's swelling. Sure. There's sure. other things that'll change based upon a second opinion when things have calmed down a bit. So we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. We're not going to be throwing the crazy hot takes out. Well, the, at the very moment, but it is a this. factor. It just it just makes you wonder who's doing these exams and what the process is and how good they are at interpreting the MRIs and well, and all of that. They should be the best in the world. But you know, on the on the flip side of this, Steph, his finger was mangled. It still okay? is, and still, but <laughs> he appears to be okay. I yeah. mean, he's he's playing through the whole thing, and if you if you look. If we were to do a time lapse of the bandage that is around his his left hand or the two fingers, the, it seems to be getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So maybe that's healing over time. Clay Thompson, I mean, they held him out his again. Hands, three. Right, they held him out, and then he's come back. So clearly, the medical staff they have some expertise. They know what they're, they're doing, doing because the best otherwise, they can. none of these guys would be back no, and, and being able there. to play at such a high level. And 
you can even argue with Looney's case, okay, it's just a question of how much pain he can endure. And my goodness, that guy is just... I mean, Andre Iguodala supposedly had to tell him, you have to stop playing. (laughs) You have to stop playing right now. I mean, that's Uh, another guy that... and he, and he's hurt as well. And Kawhi Leonard is hurt. I mean, there's a lot. This has become this series has become a war of attrition, and it, it just it, it further makes you question the whole load management. I know Kawhi has said that without skipping so many games during the regular season, he wouldn't be here now. But load management in and of itself is not preventing injuries in the playoffs from taking place. So. Maybe there's another look at that. You want to have your guys healthy, but there's simply no guarantee that that's going to take place. No, and, you know, you have Celebrini coming in, first year on the job, and everybody just gets hurt. Well, And there's, I mean, you could say there's preventative measures. I just don't know if that's the case. A lot of this is freak injuries. Well, think about last year. Chelsea Lane was was in that position. And before the playoffs began, all four Warriors All-Stars were injured. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were that last month of the season was the walking wounded just trying to get to the start of the postseason you didn't know it was Steph and it was Clay and it was KD and and Draymond as well I think and so everybody had a different injury but she was able to work her magic in a way now maybe celebrating could have done exactly the same thing who knows I don't know the differences with, with you know how they approach rehab and those things but there's going to be a lot of people wondering about Dr. Celebrini and what his, I don't think we'll ever know this for sure, but was he the one guy in the room that was saying, I don't like this. I'm not comfortable with this. And everybody else and Katie said, I'm just trust me. I know my body. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> Where And then the doctor's saying, Ugh. and that's what every player is going to say. Well, of, of course, they every, just every, every player would say, I want to get yeah. out there and help my guys. And I want to win a championship and do all those. Things. Nobody. I mean, I can't think of many players that willingly take themselves out. Uh, I I remember a conversation with Jordan Bell last year that that Bell was describing to me where he was talking about Kevin Durant viewed basketball as life and death, and he was trying to tell Jordan, this is how serious you need to take this. And Jordan Bell was like, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, So, (laughs) you know, I think I'm trying to remember the exact line, but I think, you know, Bell made the statement that you know Durant he would die with a basketball in his hands and he would be okay with it um, because that's how much he loved the game. Yeah. But um, clearly in this situation, whether it was love of the game or misdiagnosis or just bad luck, uh, it is it has come up uh, in a terrible way for KD, the Warriors, and the ripple effect throughout the league is going to be dramatic once we hit July. Yeah. And- just as you put it, life or death, he loves the game that much. And to see this guy now with the basketball taken out of his hand for what could be a year in pretty much his prime, it's just its sad. And he paid the ultimate price, and I think he deserves every last bit of recognition and respect that he really hasn't gotten this so far. It'll be career. interesting to see if it changes perception of, it of KD because I, I think his – Sometimes icy relationship with the media has cast a certain light on him as being a difficult guy to deal with that obviously his teammates don't share. They, mm-hmm. they, don't, they look at him in a different way, and even Myers was saying as he fought back the tears, he's the most misunderstood guy. Whether that's our fault or his fault, I mean, the times that I've spoken with him, and it's usually been in one-on-one interviews, um, 
there are always just whatever the subject there just always seems to be this little bit of friction and maybe that's maybe that's me he just doesn't like your face maybe that's me <laughs> I, i'm willing to i'm willing to say but um certainly the way he's perceived is different than the way steph is perceived and clay has his own kind of unique persona where i mean nothing seems to phase him ever but and maybe KD, that's because they were here from the jump. He, yeah, I think he joined this. He yeah, jumped on this yeah. bandwagon, so to speak. So I think the less the rest of the league and the nation wants to hate on him for that. And well, I think that's I think that's the case there. And I think this should change the perspective of one Kevin Durant and his legacy. And we'll see where it ends up. Hopefully, it's in Golden State. Well, we'll see in a few weeks when July first rolls around. What decisions are made by KD by the Warriors? And all the teams that were in pursuit, whether they remain in pursuit, and there's a lot of decisions to be made by by so many people throughout. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, the ripple effect of this is so dramatic; it's really even hard to quantify because so many teams were planning on making a run at him. Yeah, only time will tell. I think we have to wrap it up now. Let's do it. Man, this was just crazy. The emotional toll this game took on the Warriors unbelievable on us even on everybody I just think. the way that it turned so quickly the the ups and downs it was dramatic so we will be back after the nba finals on a normal rotation with normal topics and all of our other tomfoolery tell them how they can uh, listen to these podcasts please you can listen on itunes google play soundcloud and you can watch and listen on youtube anytime you can also go to abc7news.com slash with authority to find us. And remember, send us a comment, rate us, reach out on Twitter at Casey Pratt ABC7, at Larry Beal ABC7, and we will might cater respond. this show. <laughs> we might respond. We might yeah, we not. might respond. I was going to oversell it, but no. And with that, aloha.